0: Amen. Let us turn together in the Word of God to 2 Thessalonians and to the chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians and to the second chapter. I'm going to commence our reading at the first verse of this chapter, 2 Thessalonians, the chapter 2 and reading together from verse 1. And let us hear the word of the Lord. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, Nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders." and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen. We land there at the end of the chapter, and may the Lord add His own blessing to this public reading from His own precious and infallible Word. Amen. As we take our seats together, can I invite you to turn once again to God's Word, to 2 Thessalonians and the chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians and the chapter 2. I would draw your attention to the 16th verse down near the end of the chapter, 2 Thessalonians 2 and the verse 16. My, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts establish you in every good word and work and I draw your attention to the words in verse 16 good hope good hope through grace and together I want us to think about the blessing of hope the blessing of hope let's just unite together in prayer and ask the Lord for help as we come to the ministry of his word Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do thank Thee for Thy goodness to us already in this service, and we do thank Thee, our Father, for Thy promised presence, and even for having the scriptures of truth before us. And as we come to consider the blessing of that Christian hope, that good hope, we do pray, O God, that Thou wouldst use it to speak to each and every heart. We ask that as thy children, our faith in thee would be increased through this word. And if there be any, our father who are still unconverted, that even today would be the day of their salvation. And that salvation would visit this house and would visit hearts this day. Hear us, O God, and close us in now to thee and glorify thy name in and through us. We ask these things For Jesus' sake, amen. Dr. Campbell Morgan was a congregational minister who was greatly used of the Lord, and he was a great evangelist. He told the story of a businessman whose business burned down in the great Chicago fire of 1871. The man arrived at his business the morning after the fire had gone out, and he brought with him two things. He brought with him a table and a sign, and he went there to the very center of his business and the charred remains of that business, and he set the table down, and he put the sign upon the table for all to see. And it said on that sign, everything lost except wife, children, and hope. He may have lost his business, he may have lost everything in it by way of possessions, but he was a man who had not lost hope. And my hope is a very powerful thing, and as the Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians in this second letter, he's writing to them about the believer's hope. And thank God we have that hope. And it's described in our text of Scripture in verse 16 as good hope. And it tells us that that good hope, it comes through grace. Paul has been commending the Thessalonians as he writes this letter to them he's been commending them for their faith and for their love and for their patience in the midst of all of their difficulties in the midst of all of their struggles he's able to commend them for those Christian virtues And in this second chapter, he's speaking to them most especially about the last days and about the evil that will arise in the last days. He has spoken to them about the falling away there in verse 3 of our Bible reading. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that falling away is what we would describe as apostasy. It's a turning away from the great truths and the great fundamentals that are taught to us in God's precious Word. And that falling away is going to come in the last days. And alongside that falling away, the end of verse 3 says that the man of sin will be revealed. And that's the revelation of the Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition. And the passage here would be describing days of great lawlessness and days of sin. And here the Apostle Paul is wanting to encourage God's people, and he's wanting to equip them to live for the Lord in those last days. In order to encourage and equip them, he reminds them that they have been chosen by the Lord. When you look down the chapter to the 13th verse, he says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, chosen to salvation. My, what a subject that is, the electing love of God upon his people. And Paul is saying to these Thessalonians, my you're going to be living in dark and evil days, but remember this and be thankful for this. You've been chosen to salvation. The very next verse in verse 14, he reminds them of their calling. We're on to he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, not only chosen, yea, chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world, chosen in eternity past, but then called. And we've been called in time. We've been called through the gospel, through the preaching of God's word. There was that time when the Lord set his love upon us when he applied by the power of his spirit that word to our hearts, and when we fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that was set before us, that hope in the gospel is the Lord himself, the person of God's dear Son. Now Paul said to these Thessalonians, you've, you've been chosen to salvation. You've been called through the gospel. Then he said to them there in verse 15, So stand fast, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Then in those final two verses of the chapter, they actually form a prayer a prayer from the Apostle Paul for God's people there at Thessalonica. And right in the midst of his prayer, he brings God's people to remembrance of that hope that they have. That mind, no matter what was going on around them and what circumstances they found themselves in, they were not without hope. He says, You have good hope. The good hope that was given to you, that good hope through grace. And I want you for just a moment or two to think about that hope and the blessing of hope. It's maybe very appropriate, an appropriate subject as we're approaching Christmas time. That word hope is a word that is used much It's a word that appears perhaps even on many Christmas cards that would go out or on many decorations. You find the word hope. And so it's good for us to think about hope as we learn it in the Word of God. Just a few thoughts that I would leave before you in relation to this good hope. I thought the first thing would be the absence of this hope. The absence of this hope. And the reason I say that is because not everyone enjoys this good hope that Paul is referring to. Because you can see, as we've already indicated in the context of the passage, he's referring to those that have been chosen. He's referring to those that have been called. He's referring to those that have been converted. And that's who this hope belongs to. This hope belongs to those who are the saved of the Lord. Not everyone enjoys this hope. Whenever the apostle Peter was writing his first epistle, he said there in 1 Peter chapter 1 and the verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. And Peter there describes that hope as a lively hope, but he says we've been begotten again unto that lively hope. Those words begotten again uh, refer to being born again. And so he's speaking about the new birth and through the new birth, through that conversion to Christ, we have hope. And Paul says it's a good hope. And Peter says it's a lively hope. But it's a hope that belongs to God's people. We have been reading in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, but if you were to glance back to 1 Thessalonians and to the chapter 4, and you look there into the verse 13, it's speaking about others, others. First Thessalonians 4 and the verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, do you see the reference there to the others? Paul is able to speak to the believer that's been chosen and called and converted, and he says, you have a good hope. And Peter says to those that have been born again, you have a lively hope. But Paul is able to say, there are others, and they have no hope. And as he writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's speaking there about death and departure and about sorrowing over loss. What a fearful thing it is to think that there are those in such circumstances, the Bible says, there's no hope. The absence of hope. When you go back to another of Paul's epistles and its Ephesians and the chapter 2, And in Ephesians chapter 2 and the verse 12, Paul's referring back to that time before conversion, before the individual was saved. And he says, describing that particular period, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And you see how Paul, in speaking to the Ephesians, he's describing again this absence of hope. And he's saying there are those who are unconverted, they're unprepared for eternity, having no hope. And the reason they have no hope is because they're without Christ, and they're without God in this world. You take away the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you take away all hope. All hope for eternity. Oh, this world might offer hope. But at best, that hope is uncertain. It's a hope that is unfounded. It's a hope that is false. We would say it's more hype than hope. Because the hope of the gospel is upon that sure foundation. It's upon the truth of God's word. We have a solid foundation. It's the bedrock of scripture. And it brings to the believer today that hope. But it's sad to think of those where that hope is absent. They have no hope. The absence of hope can bring despair. You think of an individual with no hope. They're despairing. You see, they're individuals, and what keeps them going is the thought of, of hope. The hope that things will get better. You think of the prisoner in the prison with a sentence to do in the prison, and he's sitting there in the prison cell. What is it that keeps them going? It's hope. The hope that one day he will be released. You think of the patient in the hospital bed and they're struggling with some affliction or with some disease or some illness. What is it that keeps them going? It's hope. It's a hope that one day they may be healed. There may be betterment. The believers hope. The believer has hope even where, humanly speaking, there seems to be no hope. Where all human hope seems to be taken away, thank God, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is hope for the hopeless. I looked at an example of that an illustration of it in the Word of God. It was the book of Acts the uh, chapter 27, and that's a chapter that's detailing uh, one of the shipwrecks of the Apostle Paul. And they're there in the ship, and they are being tossed by the elements. They're at the mercy of the elements, and all of their efforts now seem to be futile, and the ship's just being left, as it were, to drift. They have done all that they could then in chapter 27 of Acts and the verse 20, And when neither sun nor stars and many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Whenever you take away hope, that leaves despair. But even in the midst of such a situation, the very next verse in Acts 27 says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. And so the Apostle Paul comes forth, and without going into all of the details there in that chapter, I just looked down to verse 25, and what did Paul say? He said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even it was told me. And so there, when it seemed that all hope, humanly speaking, had been taken away from them, Paul says, I have hope. I be of good cheer. What a difference it is. What a difference it is to have hope. The absence of hope, but then, secondly, the assurance of hope. Good hope through grace. And the adjective there that is used by the Apostle Paul is that of good. Why does he refer to it as a good hope? Well, it's good because of its source. It comes to us through grace. That is the undeserved, the unmerited favor of God. So the source of this hope is the Lord himself. It's good because it comes from God who is good. It's good because of its nature and the pleasures and the blessings that it brings to the heart of the child of God. That struggling believer, there is a confident assurance because they possess this hope, the possession of this hope. Whenever the apostle was writing to the Hebrews, he also referred to this hope in Hebrews chapter seven and in the verse nineteen. He says, "For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did." by the which we draw nigh unto God. We have heard of it described as a good hope, as a lively hope, and Hebrews 7 and 19 says it's a better hope. That is when you compare to the Old Testament economy, the apostle is saying here, with have something better, we have a better hope. And he's referring to that which is the most excellent hope, that which is the best hope a better hope that we have. Of course, in Hebrews chapter 6, there's reference to this hope. We've quoted one of the verses already about fleeing for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. But in Hebrews 6 and the verse 11, it says, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. On to the end. the full assurance of hope, my having that confidence, that assurance, that peace because of the hope that we have, that good hope, that lively hope, that better hope, the possession of it and it has that uh, persevering grace as well because we hope on to the end. Whatever we have to go through in this old world, whatever we have to suffer in this life, we're going to persevere. What keeps us going? It's that hope, the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6 and 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie— we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. And so it's a hope that is sure. It's not a hoping for the best. It's a hope that is steadfast, it's a hope that endures. It's a hope that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. My study on the thought of this blessed hope brought me to Romans in the chapter 15. And in Romans chapter 15 and the verse 4, the apostle writes, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, and he's referring there to the Old Testament scriptures that were written aforetime. And he says they were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures made of hope see, the apostle was showing us there what was the, the purpose of having uh, the Scriptures of the Old Testament and now the completion of the canon with the New Testament Scriptures. What's the purpose? What's the aim of the Bible that we made of hope? Thank God we're never left without hope. That we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The whole aim of the Bible, the Word of God, is to create that hope within our hearts. Romans fifteen and the verse thirteen. Now the God of hope. There's the title of the Lord. He's called the God of hope. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may. Abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's the believer abounding in hope. If you were with us on a Tuesday night in the prayer meeting and we were looking at Colossians, we actually drew attention to that word abound. And we said it was a word that was associated with an abounding river, an overflowing river. And how the believer is to be that abounding and overflowing believer in relation to hope. That hope is just to be overflowing from the believer and it overflows from the heart into praise and into rejoicing and into worshipping the Lord. We rejoice in hope to the glory of God. And the key to abounding in that hope is faith. That 13th verse, in the very center of that verse, it says that, You have all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. Oh, having that faith that is secured in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has loved us, who has bled and died for us, to trust in him and to rest upon his finished work is that we would abound in hope. The believer has that assurance. Full assurance of faith and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, the anticipation of this hope. You see, when you think about the word hope, that word hope by its very meaning, it involves the future. When you speak about hope, it's about looking forward. When you speak about hope, it's looking out in anticipation. And in the believer's sense, it's looking out with expectation right into eternity for the things to come. 1 Corinthians 15 and the verse 19, Paul said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If it's in this life only, but it's not this life only. The hope that we have with assurance on the authority of the Scriptures is a hope that reaches right out into eternity. My, if the believer had nothing beyond, we would be of all men most miserable. That is, we would be pitied. But the Christian hope is that reality that goes out into eternity. Well, what does it consist of? What is it that we are anticipating? What is that good hope, that better hope, that lively hope, that sure and certain hope? What is it, believer? Well, it involves the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the appearing of the Lord. Titus 2 and the verse 13, Titus said, looking for That blessed hope. There's another adjective to add in to this hope. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. What a hope that is. One day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to appear. The glorious appearing. The revelation of our Lord and Savior as he comes again in power and in great glory. That's our hope. Hope also involves the redemption of our bodies. Isn't that what the apostle referred to in Romans chapter eight, when he spoke about the whole creation groaning? And then in Romans eight and verse twenty-three, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting. For the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. That's what we're waiting for. That's what our sure and certain and blessed hope is. It's going to involve the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to involve the redemption of our bodies, whereby we will be given a glorious body, like unto his body. It's going to be a sharing. Sharing in the glory of the Lord. What a hope that is. Romans 5 and the verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Our hope involves the glory of God. And in some way sharing in the glory of God. Romans 8 and the verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Believer, that's our hope, the glory that shall be revealed in us. Colossians 1 and 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you see something of the blessing of this hope? It's a hope that takes the believer into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and with a glorified body we're going to be glorified together with the Savior. What a tremendous hope. What an assurance. What an anticipation of future blessing. This world is not easy. Many's a struggle. We'll not get through this world without Sorrow. some find themselves perhaps today in circumstances that, humanly speaking, are not likely to change. Maybe even at home today in circumstances that for you are not likely to change. I would say to one and all today, think about this hope. Think about that which lies before us. Think about what the Lord has in store for his people for eye has not seen nor ear heard neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which the Lord has prepared for them that love him. Think today of that great hope. One day we shall be forever with the Lord. It was a father he's putting his little son to bed and he said to his son tomorrow we're going to have a day trip tomorrow we're going to go out and we're going to go fishing together all day as the little boy was laying down to sleep he said to his father thank you for tomorrow thank you for tomorrow Oh, we hadn't experienced tomorrow, but in anticipation of tomorrow. The little boy was thanking his father. And in an infinitely greater way, child of God, we come to our heavenly father and we can say thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for that blessed hope and for all that lies in store for the child of God that good hope through grace. May God bless these thoughts to each of our hearts.